Hello and welcome back to the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green. This is a podcast where we acknowledge that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. We want to thank the Scattered Abroad Network of Podcasts at scatteredabroad.org for including us in the network. And we also want to thank the elders at East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee, for overseeing this good work. We have David Stafford with us this week, and he has been on the podcast before talking about evil companionships and uh, peer pressure. And today we're going to talk about another landmine that we need to look out for as we're trying to be faithful Christians. And that landmine, or a couple of landmines really, is fornication and adultery. David, I appreciate you for joining us on the podcast again this week. Hey, I thank you for inviting me to be here. No problem. It's, it's, it's a good deal to, uh, to have you. We need to throw out this quick dis- disclaimer, and that is if there are young ears listening to this particular episode, probably not an episode that you want young children listening to. So just keep that in mind. Uh, if you have young children, maybe in the vehicle with you listening to this particular episode, you might want to pause and go listen to another episode and, and wait until uh, they're not present to listen to this one, because this is certainly a sensitive topic and something that you don't want to be discussing with young children. So, David, can you please define these two terms for us, fornication and then also adultery, and and kind of explain the differences there? Yes, fornication is from the the Greek word porneia, which means illicit sexual intercourse. Really, it involves uh, sexual intercourse with unmarried people. I know in the the King James Version, sometimes it's translated as whoremongers. Uh, Sometimes uh, it's simply fornication, 32 times. Fornicators is found three times. The word whoremongers is found four times in the New Testament. So it's it's obviously it's an important subject as, as much times as it's mentioned in the Bible. Right. And um, if I can add to that, fornication is, is kind of the catch-all. It is the, the broad term for all sorts of illicit sexual uh, intercourse that, that is not authorized. And we could get into details. We, you know, obviously, those who were unmarried participating in this would be included in the idea of fornication, also homosexual fornication, uh, and even some grotesque things such as bestiality and incest, pedophilia, things of this nature, they all can be included in that broad term of fornication. Uh, The key being that it is illicit, unauthorized uh, sexual intercourse. And so that is the idea of fornication. What about adultery? Well, the the biggest difference with adultery is it, it involves at least one married person uh, participating in this this uh, sinful act with someone who's not their spouse, exactly. And um, so, adultery would certainly be included in that broad category of of fornication, but not all types of fornication are adultery. Adultery is if you're married, but you are participating in this sinful activity with someone who is not your spouse. David, would you mind reading Romans seven? verses 1 through 3, as it pertains to adultery. We want to go ahead and make sure and mention that as well, 
we're not going to do a whole podcast on this aspect of it. Um, I actually did a podcast on marriage, divorce, and remarriage with Brother Houston Welch on his podcast, uh, The Way. I might include that link uh, at the bottom of this podcast for, for reference. But we do want to go ahead and at least read Romans 7, verses 1 through 3. Uh, David, do you have that verse, those verses for us? I do. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Right, and that's an important aspect that we need to remember also as it pertains to adultery. Uh, go back and look at Matthew chapter 19, and, and there are other passages as well that deal with that aspect of adultery. Well, David, just to put it point blank, will these sins fornication, adultery, will they lead someone to hell? Absolutely. And, and I don't say that with jest or, or say that with enjoyment or anything, but, um, you know, we've got to call sin for what it is and for how the Bible describes it. Galatians 5, uh, 19 through 21, uh, I'm sure you were, uh, that's one of the passages that I believe we're going to mention anyway. Uh, Paul is very clear about what he what he's telling uh, these churches at Galatia about these things. He doesn't sugarcoat anything and says, well, th these are these are okay for you to do, but he says the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And notice that adultery and fornication are among the first two things that are mentioned here. Uh, uncleanness, lasciviousness, and he just continues on. And then the last part of verse number 21 is key. You know, I've told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Right. I think also to another similar list, Revelation 21. Absolutely. And if we, uh, we look at verse number eight, it says, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, sexually immoral in the New King James. Uh, King James, I believe, says fornicators. And uh, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I think of another list in First uh, Corinthians chapter 6. So I'll turn and read that. First Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be, de be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. So a lot of sexual sins listed in this one. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. But then in verse number 11, it gives us hope. Even if someone is caught up in these different sins, you still have hope if you will be willing to come out of those things, you know, repent of them and, and be obedient to the Lord's gospel. And such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. It may be the case that someone in our audience today is struggling with one of these sins. Maybe uh, not the physical act even, but maybe the lust that uh, Jesus says it's 
as if you're committing adultery already in your heart and you're lusting in this in this way. Maybe you're struggling with that as you're listening to this podcast today. Just know that there is hope. You can repent of this. You can get your mind right. You can stop committing these sins and you can go to heaven. Uh, but you have to repent of these things if you want to be there one day. Absolutely. So what do you think, David, are some important safeguards that we need to have in place in order to avoid these particular sins? Well, um, there's really three major ones. There's many of them, but um, being a preacher as I am, I, I like to alliterate things. It's easy I, was, to I was wondering if you were going to bring in the alliteration. Let but, me just pause and say this. David Stafford is the alliteration king <laughs> and uh, he he's uh he's being bashful i can see him as we're recording this but it's true he he's really good at alliterating and i remember when we were in school he always had his lessons alliterated and so if you like alliteration get ready because david's going to do a great job with this go ahead i didn't mean to cut you off that's okay uh the first one is determination you know we've got to be determined to resist sin and abstain from it. You know the Bible's clear, like First Thessalonians five twenty two, and I like the way some other translations render that: abstain from all forms of evil. Uh, the King James says abstain from all appearance, but really the idea is forms or types of evil. First Peter one eleven, uh, my dearly uh, strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Uh, think about Joseph and how determined he was, Genesis 39, 12. Uh, we've got to be determined, you know, if, we, if we're going, we've got to make that determination first and foremost that I'm not going to go down that road. And uh, that's got to be um, in our minds first, and then we've got to follow through with that. Um, so we have determination. Second of all, uh, we have dedication. Uh, we must hide God's word in our hearts so that we won't sin against him. Store it up in our minds. Psalm 119, 11, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I think about the first psalm. I'm studying the psalms right now in the most program with Brother Waycaster, and, and I'm really enjoying that. And, and a lot of the psalms point back to Psalm 1. You know, the, the blessed man who doesn't do all these things, but what does he do? He's, he meditates in God's word both day and night. And so that's the dedicated disciple. You know, you think about a person who who's really delves into God's word often and, and takes the time to do it. That's that's what's going to help someone to, to stay away from these sins like adultery and and fornication. And then there's uh, there's one other one that uh, that we could talk about, and that's designation. You know, we've got to be thinking about our goal in this life. and. And our goal should be to, to reach heaven. And uh, if, if we're so focused on that, then we'll follow through with these other things like to abstain from fleshly lust. that remember we're sanctified, like Paul said, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, this is the will of God that you abstain from fornication. And um, it's God's will for us to, to stay away from those things because he wants us to be in heaven too, 1 Timothy 2, 4. Absolutely. Um, I like how you alliterated those determination, dedication, and designation. That is our goal in, in heaven. And uh, that sounds like a good sermon right there on the subject. 
let me say this, uh, going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, which I mentioned a moment ago in that list of things that will keep someone from inheriting the kingdom of God. In uh, verse number 18 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says we are to flee fornication. Uh, the New King James says sexual immorality, probably more precise fornication there, but we are to flee it. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality or fornication sins against his own body. We don't want to get grotesque or anything like that in the podcast, but it's a very real fact that you do sin against your own body when you commit this particular sin. We could talk about uh, sexually transmitted diseases. We could talk about pregnancies that were not planned. And, and unfortunately, what do people do? Oftentimes, they go that terrible route. They, uh, they abort a pregnancy because they didn't want the child. And there's terrible things, terrible circumstances and consequences that can come from these particular sins. Uh, families can be ripped apart. Uh, just horrible, horrible circumstances and consequences particular to these sins. So Paul says, flee these things. Joseph, you mentioned in Genesis 39, he fled the opportunity for fornication with Potiphar's wife. Now, if you go back and read that text, it says that day by day, she was tempting him. This was not a one-time temptation. This was day by day, over and over again. Uh, attractive woman coming to, to any man and constantly trying to flatter him and seduce him. It would be a difficult thing for most men to deal with. But Joseph, like you said, he was determined. He was dedicated, and he had this designation as a faithful Christian with heaven as his goal. He, or not a, not a Christian uh, in, in Old Testament times, but a faithful child of God, he was, he was and uh, he had that with his goal so that he fled. He actually fled when Potiphar's wife came to him for that opportunity to sin with her he fled, and she grabbed him and, and grabbed his cloak uh, in the process of his fleeing. He knew that if he, were to, if he was going to be able to stand against this particular sinful situation, he had to run away from it. It's biology. If you put yourself in a situation where someone from the opposite sex, and quite frankly nowadays, even, even some people are tempted with the same sex. If you put yourself in a tempting situation, and close proximity is going on, and an opportunity being alone together is going on. If you put yourself in that situation, you better run from it, because if you don't, you're going to give in 99 times out of 100, because that's just the, the nature of these particular strong temptations. Let me say this. Sex is a, is a gift from God. It's something designed by God. It is designed to be fulfilled in one place and one place only, and that is marriage. In Hebrews 13, verse 4, the marriage bed is undefiled, but adulterers and whoremongers, God will judge. Sex is not a dirty thing. It's not an evil thing. It's a good thing, and it's a pleasant thing, and it is meant for pleasure for a husband and a wife. And that is the only place that it is acceptable. And, and we could talk about procreation as well. And, and God said, be fruitful and multiply. And that's a part of it as well. It's a good thing. And it was designed by God. But with that thought in mind, God created the human body with 
desires to be expressed in the marriage bed, but that's the key. They're only to be expressed in the marriage bed. If we take those desires and we take them outside of the marriage bed, we sin. And we sin greatly in the sense that there's terrible consequences that will follow that. Yeah, and and that passage in Hebrews that you were mentioning, that shows us the difference between those two acts. Though they're both sexual sins, it shows us that they're not one and the same, but they're both nevertheless sins that will uh, keep us from heaven. Right. I think also to uh, 2 Timothy 2, verse 22. 2 Timothy 2, verse 22. What did Paul have to remind Timothy? A young preacher. He could have gotten himself into some difficult situations and tempting situations. And so what does Paul remind him? Flee youthful lust. You've got to flee those. Again, this is a common theme, isn't it? We have to flee fornication. We have to flee youthful lust. Joseph gave us the example of fleeing when Potiphar's wife tempted him day by day. We have to flee those youthful lusts. We have to flee fornication. We have to flee adultery. We have to flee lasciviousness. We talked about in in a previous episode um, the prom or the, the homecoming dance or whatever. You go to those types of situations, those places. What's going on on that dance floor? Lasciviousness. And not trying to be vulgar or crude. But just being frank, what I oftentimes describe the modern dance floor as is sex with clothes on. That's what's taking place on the dance floor. And we send our kids right into that. And it's it's a disaster waiting to happen. And I think back to I think back to uh, the Proverbs. I think it's the Proverbs. Uh, can a can a man play with fire and his clothes not be burned. Is that in the Proverbs, David? Uh, uh, I'm not it sure. It might be Psalms. Either uh, way, it's proverbial. Right. <laughs> right. Can a man play with fire and his clothes not be burned? Obviously, he cannot. And when we're talking about sins of a sexual nature. You're absolutely playing with fire. And you better not go near it or you will be burned. Absolutely. Any other thoughts on that, David? Well, um, <clears throat> I know Second uh, Timothy two twenty two, as you were reading earlier. Uh, you know, Paul doesn't only take time to say you need to flee these youthful lusts, but here's the things you need to follow after. These are the things you need to pursue. I think some translations say pursue, and that's the idea: righteousness, faith, charity, peace, and when them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Right, uh, and so obviously there's a contrast here with uh, things that pollute the heart versus things that that are you know purity of heart, uh, right? Being pure in heart. Let me let me get on my soapbox real quick. There are some brethren today who, when we mention things like purity, for for some reason there's this idea of we're going to thumb our nose up to that. I don't know what in the world they're thinking. And there's this tendency to degrade what is known as purity culture within the, the broad term Christendom. And I know that there are things such as purity balls and purity rings and things of that nature. And, and the idea behind those things is, well, we want to keep our 
daughters and sons pure until they're married. And I guess, you know, in a sense, that thought process is not quite a hundred percent because even once you're married and you partake in these activities together, you're still pure because there's nothing impure about sex that God designed in the marriage bed. So you're still pure. So I, I can see what they're saying there, but there is this tendency to downplay the idea of purity, it seems like. And, and it's kind of a, a pendulum effect. You know, you see the denominational world having the purity ball and the purity ring and, and this and that. And they'll say, well, what about the, the young lady who was impure for a while in, in her, her teenage years? And, and those sorts of things make her feel bad. Those sorts of things cause her grief. And she's repented of those things. Well, yeah, she has repented. And we're thankful for that. But that doesn't give us the right to cast off the idea of purity, because purity, as you just pointed out in Second Timothy, is a very important concept for Christians. We are to be pure. I want my children to be pure. I want my children to remain pure virgins until their wedding night. and. Sure. That idea is not popular these days. There are those who have the idea of, oh, play the field. Um, test the waters. Sow your wild oats. Have fun. And That's you not hear right. The term. Yeah, and shame on us if we as Christians are promoting that nonsense. I've got a, a list, if, if you want to help me go through these. I've got a list of some tips to avoid sinful situations as it pertains to um, fornication. And the first one is this. Teenagers, especially if you're listening to this, don't park and pet. We use that, that term. I think we know what it means. Don't park and pet. Don't take your car on date night to a secluded place in a dark place and park there where there's no people around. Oh, we're just going to talk. Yeah, probably not going to happen. I'm not just going to talk, generally speaking. There's going to be sinful things take place, and you're going to go too far, as, as the uh, saying goes. Don't park and pet. If you do that, you're asking for trouble. Would, would you agree with that, David? Absolutely. I mean, if you, if you apply what, what Paul says and others say in the New Testament to abstain, uh, abstain would be the very opposite of getting as close to it as you possibly can. It, the right. idea of abstaining is getting as far away from it as you possibly can. Right. So, so don't take your vehicle out on the date and, and, and partake in that. I'm, some people are going to think I'm crazy for this, but I'm so old fashioned as to say that, Hey, why not date in a public place? Maybe even bring a chaperone along. And, and people look at me like I'm crazy for saying that. But I was a teenager once and and I know, realistically, you need to have precautions in place so that you can prevent any sorts of temptations that may, may come about. Here's another thing, and, and we've, we've waded into this. Do not participate in lasciviousness on the dance floor. Better yet, don't even go to the dance floor. There's nothing good there. Do not participate in lasciviousness. David, what is lasciviousness? More or less. What is lasciviousness? Well, we don't use that term as often as we used to, but I think it's important for us to think about it. 
Well, lasciviousness would certainly uh, involve some translations. I say, uh, I believe, define it as licentiousness, and it's the idea of of things that are lewd and crude. And obviously, those things are going to be taking place and uh, at proms. You hate to say yeah. that, but even if chaperones are there, they're not going to stop some of those things. That they don't see anything wrong with those things, but. Like, like we've talked about in a previous uh, podcast, the idea is be not deceived. And that's exactly what's taking place is they are deceived into thinking this isn't really going to hurt anything if we go through with it. Right. I mean, again, not trying to be crude or anything, but what's taking place on that dance floor? You look at it and it's basically sex with clothes on. I mean, and I've seen it before. Um, just going to be honest, I've I've witnessed things such as this, and I'm thinking, what in the world are these people doing? What in the world are parents thinking, sending their teenagers into a situation such as this? It is it is absolutely uh, filthy and, and disgusting, and there's no way that God looks down and approves of it. No, not, not a chance. What about this? Don't be alone in a room with the door shut with someone that you're sexually attracted to obviously, who's not your spouse. Don't do it. <laughs> You're asking for trouble. And I think back to the Mike Pence rule that so many people looked at and said, oh, he's too old-fashioned. But it was a good rule. Mike Pence came out publicly and stated he will not be alone in the same room with a woman who's not his wife. That's a good rule because, n- number one, you're not going to put yourself in, into a tempting situation sexually but number two it also protects you what if there was a false accusation thrown in in this sense as well so don't put yourself in the same room with someone of uh that that you're sexually attracted to number three or number four don't use pornography pornography is so rampant today uh, it's everywhere. Um, it's on the internet. It's in movies. You know, softcore, hardcore. And again, we're getting into some difficult things to talk about. But there are movies that are not what is known as hardcore pornography, but they're still pornographic in a sense. And in, in scenes that we ought not be watching as Christians, there are books that we ought not be reading that describe in detail things that we shouldn't be thinking about as Christians. Um, even I classify even some billboards driving down the highway. If you think about it as pornography, don't look at those billboards because they've got the seductive woman uh, trying to sell the alcohol, trying to sell the cigarettes, trying to sell. Uh, I, I mean, you, you've even got billboards advertising gentlemen's clubs and things. Now, when you're driving down the highway, don't look at those things. Stay far away from pornographic material because that is only designed to incite sinful thoughts uh, in the mind. And, and if you participate that in that in any way, it's going to lend itself towards eventually sinning in other ways sexually, right? Absolutely. Um, I would go a, fur- a step further and in, in to say, you know, some music, uh, even though it's not visual, yes, some of the lyrics within some of the songs that are are popular uh, give you, and I've kind of limited, you know, 
some of the music that I used to listen to, I don't listen to anymore because I, I realize the innuendos and things like that behind them. Right. Same here. Uh, there's a lot of those things that you find. But now they're, of course, more outright with them in their lyrics. Um, they don't try to hide it at all. It, it's it's exposed. And that, that paints a that paints a picture in your mind when you start listening to those things. It does. And and it desensitizes you to it and you begin to accept it. And I mean, we could you could look up probably 80, 80 to 90 percent of the Billboard Top 40 right now. I bet you could find sexually explicit material in 80 to 90 percent of the songs. And it's it's a shame and it's sad, but uh, we've got to avoid those things. So that's a very good point as well. Number next, don't flirt with someone who's not your spouse. Don't do it. It's leading to and asking for trouble. Uh, the next one, don't go part of the way thinking that you will stop before going all the way. I think we know what that means. Uh, sometimes people use the expression first base, second base, third base, home. Don't go to first base. If you're not married, don't go to first base. Don't go, quote unquote, part of the way and think that you're going to have the self-control to stop before going all the way, so to speak. Number one, going part of the way is sinful too. Number two, if you think that you can flirt with that first part and uh, eventually not go all the way with the rest of it, you're fooling yourself. So do not do that. Be appropriate in all your handling uh, of, of various situations with, with boyfriend, with girlfriend. And I've mentioned this in some of my episodes before. What's the reason for you dating? Are you dating looking for a spouse? And are you dating, you know, you don't have to date for 10 years to determine whether or not you want to marry somebody or not. You can find out some, in some cases within a few months and certainly within a year or two, you can find out whether or not you want to marry this person. Don't just keep on dating and dating and dating uh, indefinitely and expect that you're going to remain sexually pure. You need to marry. And we could talk about first Corinthians chapter seven and burning in lust and what does Paul say? It's better to go ahead and marry than to continue to burn in lust. So don't think that you can go part of the way and stop yourself from going all the way. Any thoughts on that, David? I mean, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, there's no formula for that. But if you're going to date, you know, have some kind of purpose. You know, are you what, what is your goal? You know, obviously, hopefully it would be your goal as you're, you're trying to find a suitable help me. Uh, that you're not just dating for recreational kind of purposes or just or popularity or, or popularity or anything like that, or just it's something good to do. But, you know, have that goal in mind that you're looking for someone who will be a suitable help meet. And I think that's a real good reason why that's called help meet uh, going back to the book of Genesis, uh, because you're not looking for something, someone, or you shouldn't be looking for someone is going to drag you down or is going to influence you kind of what we've talked about before with, with influencing us to, to do evil. Right. I've got one more um, that I want to mention, and it's actually from a scripture. It's Song of Solomon 8, verse 4. Song of Solomon 8, verse 4. And by the way, if, if someone's listening to this podcast and they're going to get married soon, it might be good to go through that. 
you know, the, the entire book and, and get the proper picture of, of marital love as it pertains to, you know, in, intimacy together in this way. And um, Song of Solomon 8 verse 4 is really important because it shows us that, hey, don't open Pandora's box, if you will, of sexuality until the time is right. And when will the time be right? When you're married. So uh, he, Song of Solomon 8 verse 4 says, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. The uh, Christian Standard Bible, which I've never really used that before, but I, I looked at a bunch of different translations on this this uh, verse here, and I like what it has at the, la the last part of the verse. It says, until the appropriate time. And I think that's what the idea there is in that particular verse in Song of Solomon 8, verse 4. Do not stir up or awaken sexual love until the appropriate time. And when is the appropriate time? When you're married. If you awaken sexual love too soon, you're going to open up Pandora's box of, wow, I'm not trying to be gross or anything like that, but just being realistic here, uh, someone's going to think, wow, I like this. I mean, they are. I, wow, I like this. And, and you see tragic situations where teenagers, they, you know, they've, they've been kept sheltered and, and, and pure, but then they, they rebel and they go crazy and they have one sexual partner after another, after another, after another, and they just rebel and, and, and lose it. They go crazy. What happened? They awakened sexual love before the time was appropriate, before marriage, and they just go and, and will be with anybody in this way. And they're causing so much heartache for themselves, and they're lost in, in sexual sin in doing this. Any thoughts on that, David? Well, it's kind of like any sin. Once someone gets a taste for it, you know, they're just going to continue to do it. And it's going to just metastasize like a cancer. Right. And that's why it's not good to take the first step because, again, deception, you know, Satan, the father of lies, he's, he's a deceiver. And he'll, he'll say, well, if I do this or I go to this degree, it won't really affect me. And that's what Satan loves, because if he can deceive you into thinking that, then then he's got you, really. Absolutely, he does. So that is a very good point to conclude our episode on fornication, on adultery. Certainly very important landmines to watch out for uh, as we're trying to be faithful Christians. Young people, if you're listening to this, we, we've been there. We understand. We know there, there are temptations that you're dealing with. There are difficult situations. You may have a boyfriend, girlfriend that's wanting to tempt you to do things that you ought not be doing because you're not married. Hang in there. Uh, be faithful to God. Put him first. Uh, if that person that you're dating is tempting you in that way, maybe that's, maybe that's a sign you don't need to be with that person. Look for someone who's going to keep Christ first, who is a Christian, who will help you get to heaven, and then marry that person. Marry, marry someone like that. So again, uh, thank you for listening to the Everyday Christian Podcast this week. Lord willing, we will be back next week with another episode. And again, David, I want to thank you for joining us for this episode this week. Thank you. It's been a joy to be here. Absolutely. I've, I've enjoyed uh, the good content that you've helped us provide this week. All right. Well, tune in next week to the Everyday Christian Podcast for some more landmines that we need to be looking out for.
What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, and please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.